It is almost Christmas. There are four candles on the Advent wreath, but that one in the middle, that white one, has not been lit yet. So we still have to wait a little longer. To help us as we wait, perhaps ironically, we have before us in today's gospel lesson the story of a woman and a pregnancy. It's about waiting, right? It's the story of the Annunciation. She would be the one who would bear the child. The whole point of this sequence I've been teaching you is about how God works through individuals. Her role is unique. She is the one. To help us with our reflection today, we're going to do three things. First of all, we'll review the angelic encounter a little bit so I can bring out some of the interesting things that are happening there. And then we're going to ask two questions. What can we learn from Mary? And what can we learn from Gabriel? Part one, the encounter. Luke, in his portrayal, has a very carefully structured story, which with each part in the first half of the story having its parallel in the second half of the story. So, the angel comes, and the angel departs. Mary is troubled, and Mary is the servant. The angel announces the favor of God. The angel proclaims that nothing is impossible. Mary is going to conceive. Elizabeth has conceived. The child would fulfill that promise to David, we heard in our first lesson for today, and be the Messiah. But the child would also be the Son of God. And at the center of the story is the central theme, this miraculous birth. A virgin will conceive. Echoes here of the prophet Isaiah, affirmed throughout history by the creeds of the church. Mary is the one through whom all those prophecies of the Old Testament begin to be fulfilled. She is the God-bearer. Now, this story is so marvelous and mystical that it's often portrayed in art. But what we will look at, first of all, are some words. The angel Gabriel spoke three times to Mary. The first was rather brief. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. The word for greetings is a call to rejoice. It's the same word that's used to translate the word shalom or peace in the Old Testament. Favored one, that means that God had already bestowed God's grace upon her. And that grace was continuing to have an impact in her life. And then the Lord is with you. Gabriel invokes that famous story at the end of the book of Genesis where Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. And as he went through ups and downs through the last chapters of, of Genesis, after each episode, but the Lord was with him. Nonetheless, Mary was troubled and kept wondering about this. So, 
the angel speaks a second time. Don't be afraid, says the angel. The standard greeting that is given by an angelic creature or even Jesus in a frightening situation. Remember when he came walking on the sea? Don't be afraid, it is I. They thought he was a ghost. Again, the favor of God is named the grace of God. But in this second speech comes the announcement of what is about to happen. She is to give birth to a son, which raises all sorts of questions. Interestingly, when Zechariah raised questions, he ended up unable to speak, not Mary. A third word comes, which explains how this will happen. And notice there are three parts to the explanation. One, this is how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit will make it happen. But then the second part of the argument is a case. Your relative, Elizabeth, the barren one who's beyond the age, she's going to have a child. And then thirdly, the affirmation, with God, nothing is impossible. And Gabriel uses the strongest possible way of expressing that. To which Mary responds, I am the servant of the Lord. May it happen to me according to your word. That's the story in brief. Interactions between Gabriel and Mary focused in three pieces of dialogue. So, what can we learn from Mary? In our Lutheran tradition, we do consider the outcome of the lives of those who have gone before us, and we imitate their faith. Mary's singular in this regard, for she's the one who bore the Christ child. What's more, she was willing to do so, knowing some, but certainly not all, of what this would entail. For us, in this age of liars and fabulists, of those more interested in publicity or being viral online, her humility is notable and worthy of emulation. It's the first lesson that we can learn from Mary. But she was more than just a stoic figure. When greeted by Gabriel, she was troubled at his word and kept thinking about what this might mean. I see there in Mary a bit of intellectual rigor. The Greek word implies that she kept going over and over it. It's the word from which we get our word dialogue. So apparently she and Gabriel were going back and forth about this. You know, fear can be paralyzing, but talking about it with someone can help. Mary is the exemplar of one who meets the unknown with the gifts that God has given them and through interactions, especially verbal interactions with others. A second lesson for us. Thirdly, when Gabriel announces that she will bear a son who would fulfill all those promises to David that we heard in the first lesson, Mary is not afraid to ask questions of the messenger. How can this be? Mary stands in the tradition of the psalmists whose laments would complain about the injustice of God 
and even call into question the actions and intents of God. It is not wrong to question God. These biblical examples, the psalmist, Mary, these biblical examples tell us that God welcomes our honest concerns. Our God is a God who embraces us even when we wonder why or how. A third lesson from Mary is to always be honest with God. When Gabriel pointed to the work of the Holy Spirit, gave the example of the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth, and asserted that with God nothing is impossible, Mary's response was profound. Behold, she said, the servant of the Lord. She accepted the calling. And notice, she didn't say a servant of the Lord, but the servant of the Lord. This is not some kind of submission, but a bold willingness to do what God had asked of her. Let it be to me according to your word, she said, according to the story. This is not just a pregnancy, not just a miraculous pre pregnancy, but it's one that puts into action all those prophecies from the Old Testament, the promise to David, and even the promise that goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden. There was a boldness and a confidence in Mary's willingness. She trusts the promises of God, a trust that will be tested again and again. Mary is an example of a woman bold in her faith, a boldness that you and I are invited to embrace. What can we learn from Mary? Humility, intellectual integrity, honesty, especially with God, and the boldness to act on the promises of God. What can we learn from Gabriel? Well, Gabriel is one of two angels mentioned by name in the Old Testament. He shows up in Daniel 8 and 9 talking about the end times, what happens at the end. But in Luke's gospel, Gabriel has a very different task, announcing the beginning of the final phase of God's plan of salvation, announcing the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. Gabriel is a messenger of God. He is on a mission. He has an apostolic authority, if you will. So, what's Gabriel's approach? Gabriel starts with God's grace and the promise of God's presence. Mary had been graced by God, and God was with her. There's no better place to start a conversation with someone who is troubled than with the grace of God, the undeserved love of God, the promise that God will be there no matter what. Now, we Lutherans, we talk a lot about law and gospel, and there is somewhat of a theological sequence to them, but people who are worried, people who have doubts and questions, people who feel badly about themselves, will not benefit from a lecture about what they should do. People troubled as Mary was need the embrace of the gospel and the promise that God will stick with them no matter what. 
This is the first and most important lesson to learn from Gabriel. Start with the good news. Secondly, Gabriel entered into a dialogue. Mary initially was uncertain, was going over this. The text says she kept thinking about it, and as I've suggested to you, that probably meant an extended conversation. Gabriel's willingness to give her the time to talk through it. It's an important lesson. It's captured well in this piece of art, uh, which presents Gabriel and Mary as essentially equal beings. The second point we can learn from Gabriel is to meet people where they are and invest in the conversational time needed. Thirdly, when Gabriel recognizes the fear in Mary, he reminds her again of the grace of God. Fear not, for you have found favor with God. You know, encountering the things of God often raises fears in the hearts of people. And there's such a strong popular conception that God's primary word is no, that God's primary act is to punish We have to recognize that that fear is out there, even in our modern age. God's grace and God's love in Christ Jesus, that's the antidote for fear. Gabriel then points to the role of the Spirit in what God is about to accomplish in Mary. Now, we know that God's Spirit is at work whenever we share the good news, but Explaining that whole theological process probably doesn't help folks that much. But it's a good reminder to us that when we share the good news with others, we're not the ones who inspire or convert. It is not our task to persuade someone with a witty argument or a salient fact. Our task is to share and to entrust our conversational partner to the working of God's Spirit, a lesson we can learn from Gabriel. Notably, Gabriel cites the example of Elizabeth, Mary's relative, who is miraculously pregnant. Now, you know, it's one thing to talk in abstract about God's love and grace, but stories especially personal stories, are so much more effective. I mean, Mary would go and spend three months with Elizabeth, and that time together would help both of them prepare for the momentous birthing and raising that they were being called by God to do. It is quite effective to share with someone stories about how God has been gracious in your life. Concepts are important, but stories touch the heart. Finally, Gabriel asserts what is possible with God. At the beginning of faith and trust, there's still a whole lot of doubt. We are witnesses to what is possible. Now, maybe we don't use the strong language of Gabriel that there's absolutely nothing God can't do. 
Maybe we just point to Jesus. And the words of another angel, he's not here, for he has been raised. And if God can do that, then God did. Oh, the possibilities. Gabriel's approach to Mary is an important reminder for us to lead with the gospel. Engage in those long conversations. Share how God has been at work in our lives. And with patience, watch the Holy Spirit at work. Our mission to others may not be as profound as that of Gabriel to Mary, but God does put opportunities in front of us and again and again. And who knows what might come from such grace-filled, honest, and inspired conversations. As Gabriel said to Mary, there's absolutely nothing impossible for God. Our takeaways. In the Annunciation, God put the final act of his plan of salvation into motion. In Mary, we see a woman of intellect, humility, and boldness who responds in faith when God calls her. She's the one who bore the Son of God. She is the God-bearer. In Gabriel, we meet a messenger and representative of God whose approach is worthy of study and emulation because we're in his line, bringing the good news wherever God sends us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.